Good day, everybody. Jeff Cross here. You can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. That is jeffcross22 at gmail.com. You can also follow my YouTube page, which is Jeff and or you can follow my Facebook page, which is T and G. That's T as in tenacity, the and symbol, and G as in grit, tenacity and grit. That has all my content on there for my podcast, YouTube videos, whatever else I might post. Well, today's guest has a very unique story. Only a few people can actually have this same story, and we're going to hear his version. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, He's been a teacher for 12 years. He spent some time in the fourth grade, fifth grade, middle school, social studies teacher. He's also a high school track coach. Um, He's been officiating high school football, softball, basketball. He is a four-time Wisconsin State tournament official. He's been 13 years working college basketball from D3 on all the way down to JUCO. Eight years in Division One and Division Two, he is a member, uh, and he works the leagues of Horizon League. He works the GLVC and the Northern Sun. Um, he's been in the Division Three tournament five or six years, and he was. This is the story, everyone. He was selected to work the Final Four in the Division Three tournament this past season, and was canceled due to COVID. So we cannot wait to hear the story. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Buffel. Are you there, Mark? I'm here, Jeff. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, how you been, man? I've been good. Um, trying to stay busy, you know, uh, doing my thing at home and just been, been well. Good. Now, when you, you said in your bio, it says that you're a teacher, but, you know, did you, and what happened in Wisconsin? Did it get shut down early? as far as COVID goes? Yeah. So it was uh, the middle of March or, or so like March 10th or 12th or something like that. We had already started our high school track season and started um, our practices. And then we got notified that, Hey, um, tell your kids to take all of their technology home with them. And it was on Friday and we were like, okay, well we, we kind of know where this is going. And if they're telling the kids to take everything home, there's a sign. And then sure enough, um, that Friday, that Friday afternoon or Friday evening after school was out, we got notified that um, school was going to be canceled or just say canceled, not the right word, I guess, closed down and that we were going to be um, doing the, the distance learning thing. Mm-hmm. We had a week of kind of, uh, um, I'd say nothing really going on. And then we trans- transitioned to sp- our, sp- our traditional spring break. So that gave us some time to get things ready for the, uh, the stretch run to do digital learning and distance learning for the kids. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty difficult task. You know, uh, obviously I work in a school system too, and that is a difficult task to try and uh, do something. I, you know what? I'm not going to say that it's a difficult task, but it is something that is abnormal for us uh, to not see kids every day, to not have kids, you know, coming to class every day through the hall and still try to teach them whether it be virtually or distance learning, whatever you want to call that. So that is a train, a learning curve for us as teachers and educators. And it's also a learning curve for the students and parents. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Just to keep the kids engaged and, and, and not having that like framework in place, kind of just starting from scratch and really learning on the fly, like mm-hmm. picking it up as you go. I mean, it was a challenge for the kids, definitely a challenge for the uh, families. You know, I teach in a more of a, 
a rural community where internet access is not something that is available to like every family. So we were handing out cell phone hotspots to families mm-hmm. so they could at least have a way to stay engaged. So it was pretty cool that way, but definitely a learning curve. And I'm thankful that I was, that I teach middle school kids that have, I guess, more tech skills maybe, and are um, a little more independent than maybe my elementary counterparts who really had a difficult time. Yeah. Cause they're dependent on the parent to be able to handle that technology for the, the first grader or second grader. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Let's go to the real stuff here. So tell me a little bit about, I didn't realize that you were actually, a, you're a softball umpire still to this day. Yeah, I, I, I do um, high school softball on, on weekends and I do some tournaments and um, I do a little bit of travel ball. Not a lot. It's just, I love, I really like the game of softball. I enjoy, I enjoy the fat, the pace. I enjoy that. It's a little more high scoring than say baseball is. Mm. Um, and I, I just enjoy being outside and it gives me a chance to be involved with athletics in the spring besides coaching outside um, in a different kind of light. And I guess once you're an official, you just, it's just kind of like in your nature to, to do some kind of officiating. So um, high school softball is something that I kind of picked up and I, I really do enjoy it. Cool. That's, I mean, I know a lot of softball umpires, but I just didn't know that about you, I guess, you know, and that is, you know, clearly my fault. And I think we all fail in those regards. Sometimes we don't understand. We know someone through the basketball officiating community and don't understand that they actually, there's a real chance they work multiple sports. And in your case, football, softball, basketball. So my next question is what's your favorite? Oh, basketball, hands down. I mean, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the camaraderie of being with my football crew, you know, the, the five of us that are always together in the, uh, you know, the, because we're, we are traveling together, coming from the same town, you know, so the, the night stopping, you know, socializing after a game and hashing out what happened. But, but I enjoy that. But basketball, just way hands down is the best because of the relationships and you know, meeting people from not just your hometown or your local area, but all over the Midwest. And, and mm-hmm. it gets better than that, those kind of relationships um, um, from it. And the, just the action, and the, the speed of the game and the, it's just fun. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just a, it's a fun, it's a fun atmosphere on the basketball court. It's, it's interesting. And, um, you know, of course I've, I've officiated football, uh, baseball and basketball, and it's the, the best term I can explain to you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it really only comes to play with officiating. I think, and it says, once you've been bitten by the bug, that's it, man. I mean, you can do other sports, but they just don't, they just don't level out to that, you know, to that kind of excitement, the, you know, whether it be the lights and the, the constant decision-making, you know, if you're an official, I mean, you kind of really enjoy making decisions. You enjoy, you know, being able to have that, that pressure to go, I'm, I'm prepared to make a decision here in an instant. I mean, do you feel that way? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that split second, that just, I, like not letting things bother you, like not letting, you know, in, there's no the outside influences of crowd and environment. Like, no, it's like, we have a job. We just make a decision and we stand by our decision, right or wrong, good yeah. or bad. We just, we stand by it. And for a, on a personal level, like, I think for me, that transition transitions so well into the classroom, like being in front of kids and working with kids and making a decision and, and taking the information and seeing the, the environment that we're in and just follow through on our decision. And, kind of have to live with it 
and go yeah, with it. Yeah, on that a little bit more. You know, tell me, you know, when did that happen for you? When did, when did it happen for you to go? Because I'm assuming, but I, tell us, were you a teacher before you were an official or were you an official before you were a teacher? So I started officiating like, oh my gosh, when I was in high school. So my my high school track coach worked at our, our YMCA in Sheboygan where I grew up and they needed um, – high school kids to basically work the Saturday morning basketball leagues. And mm-hmm. so I, I being a basketball player in high school, I said, well, all right, I, I can do this. Like coaches kind of helping me find a job and kind of keeping mm-hmm. track of us. And so I started fishing like the youth, the little kid, mighty might basketball, um, um, peewee basketball when I was in high school. And from there it just kind of spiraled. And I went out of college. It was just like, I started doing intramurals and I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. I enjoy this. And then, I got into this with the right people for high school and it just kind of like sort of took off and, and it just kind of worked out that way. So it was, and then from there it was officiating and opportunity to work some college basketball. And then, yeah, then, then the teaching job kind of came around. So, so you were an official before teaching. So if you don't mind, would you, you know, do you, could you share just a little bit of the, okay, so you go to school, you get your degree, you're ready to go teach. And now comes the first interview for you to be a teacher. You know, do, do you believe that being an official played a big role in the way you interviewed in that process? Um, yeah, actually, I think it did matter. I think it made a big difference because just the way that we have to communicate when we're on the floor, I think mm-hmm. that translate, translated really well in the interview process. Um, there's that that – that, that air of confidence that we have on the floor when we make our decisions and knowing that we, we're very confident in what we're doing and then being able to answer questions in an interview and just be honest and have that honest communication, um, just like we would have with a coach, I definitely think it, it 100% helped. Um, I mean, you're making decisions in front of hundreds, maybe thousands, a thousand people, hundred, hundreds of people, and then you're just having a conversation with you know, someone, you know, you want the job, but you know, they're, they're, I think it was really helpful. Well, and I think, you know, as an official, what, no matter what the sport is, there's some salesmanship that's involved, you know, and then when you're in the interview, if you're the, you know, interviewee, you know, there's some salesmanship involved. You have to, you're finding a way to sell the person in front of you on your skill level and on your ability and on your mindset, those kind of things. Yeah, I totally, absolutely with that. You do have to yeah. be able to sell that stuff completely. Yeah. Um, I've been so, I've been very fortunate to be able to sell myself fairly well, I guess, to the- mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> that. Clearly, you're doing well. That's for sure. So, all right. So, let's talk. You know what happened? So, obviously, you worked. You know these these high school sports, but what happened for you to say I want to be a collegiate official? So. <laughs> Um, my high, my original high school partner, um, who it was a really good, me- was a really strong mentor t- to me, like going through the process was kind of in the, I guess the, the twilight or the winding down of his college career. And, and, we, you know, I had like a- asked questions and just kind of listened and, and learned. And then I would, when I had time, I would, you know, I was being a boy and I would go to like Lakeland college and I would watch a college game and I would just kind of like, Oh my God, I can, I should do, I, I can do this. Like, I think it should be a lot of fun to do this. And I was getting, 
um, you know, good feedback. I would go to, like went to the high school camps because in Wisconsin, there weren't a lot of like collegiate camps at that time necessarily. Mm-hmm. So there were people that were involved on the women's side of basketball that were involved in high school camps and, t- and teaching three person because three person was um, was still was just coming out and it just kind of it just kind of happened and I just kind of asked the right questions and they they must have saw some potential and they were like hey we're going to give you you know would you like to do this and get an opportunity and you know I was like yeah let's do this like this is awesome like I've I really want to do this like I, I love the game and I just want to see how far this 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 can take me and um, it really kind of I guess snowballed from there if if you don't mind you know, because we've all, most people have been through the the transition of high school to college. Some people have not. But, you know, what would you say the biggest difference is between, you know, working high school games and, you know, high school, not necessarily rules, but whatever it is, just, the, you know, the high school Friday night scenario to the Saturday afternoon college scenario, what's, you know, what's the biggest glaring difference for you, whether it be via partners or the game or or whatever? Well, I mean, like, I think, and like, I can't, I guess this wouldn't be for everyone, but for my, my situation, it was definitely like high school. I had the same partner or partners for 30 games throughout the season it was like we were a crew it was the three of us or you might be one one wheel that had changed and we you know someone had hopped in or I filled in an open spot but for the most part you were with the same crew all the time and that was like the biggest like I think when I started like the biggest like glaring transition to be like what do you mean these are I'm with someone new every single night and I have (laughs) no idea who they are like you really have to be on the same page and you really have to send some time like talking about like well what are we how what are we doing out here so that we're we're like able to like get through get through the game and do it seamlessly like we've done this a thousand times together before and that was totally excuse me like totally like the the hardest or the biggest transition and just like the intensity of the coaches too I think was another thing that when I first started I was like wow these people are like crazy intense than not, not thinking in my head, like, Oh, it's their job. Like they're getting paid to win. Not like a school coach who's a math teacher and Mm -hmm. they coach because, Hey, we need a basketball coach and I like basketball. So here I am. That's interesting. You know, that that was, and it is very, very true. What you're saying is, you know, there's, you could get your schedule and if you have whatever, we'll just say 20 college games on that schedule you may see that same person as a partner three times through those mm-hmm. 20 games, maybe not even at all. And that is very much, you know, it, it really, you know, forces you and forces others around the game to, you know, understand the mechanics of what we're doing, understand. Um, and I, I believe that makes us a really uncomfortable. And th- this leads to me my next question. So you being uncomfortable in that situation, do you believe that made you, better being uncomfortable or would you would prefer it to let's just stay with the sandpaper people so I can stay comfortable I mean in, in all honesty like the very first time like it, I would have like the first like games I was like man I, w- I wish they were the same because then I would have been like I could have focused on the same message but like thinking about it the best thing that, could, that happened in my officiating career was that like is that college mentality of new people every night because it forced us to talk. It forced us to have a pregame. It forced, it really forced me to be like 
in the rule book and really no mm. mechanics and no situations and focus on like like the weak spots of my game because I didn't there was no safety blank to being like oh Mark's not going to call travelings because he he's not good at calling traveling and I know that because I work with him all the time so I can pick up the slack you don't know that about your partners so mm. you like you just have to be dialed in and just focused on what you're doing that's that's a great point where you know those people that are working together all the time they t- tend to find you know you know whatever I'm strong at A I'll let my partner be strong at B and my third be strong at C and then we'll, we'll have the game covered and life is good. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you haven't really stretched yourself in any way, shape or form. And I believe you even alluded to this, you know, that that was the best thing that could have happened to you as an official, you know, not just basketball, but you know, if you even take it into football and, and softball, you know, it's the best thing that happened to you is, is it stretches you to be, um, you know, uh, challenges, you know, to, to be committed to the rules and to the mechanics in every way, shape, or form, not just in what I feel comfortable at. So that's a great, great point. So here we go. You know, eight years ago, it says, I think it's what it was when you got first got hired in Division One, right? Yep. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, it's, it, I, I mean, like, yeah, I think so, like eight years, yeah. Okay. So I, I want to know. I want to know every detail about <laughs> from, the, from the beginning, like, you know, when you got notified, you're, hey, I just got hired division one and then like, Oh, Hey, I got a game. Oh, Hey, I get to go work the game. You know, I, I want to know what that, you know, what is it, you know, what's that feeling that you, that you felt? Well, first, like when I first found out, I was kind of like in, I think the word shock would be kind of the, the mind, like the, the feeling that I was kind of like, really, like this is, this is happening. Like this is really mm. a thing. The possibility, like we can, we're, we can do this. Like, you know, I, I went to the, I went to the, the camp um, and it was more of like, I'd been to camps in Wisconsin, I'd been to camps in Wisconsin. And, and I was like, all right, I want to, I want to try to see what the next, the next step looks like. And like, it's, I mean, it was a whole nother world, like a whole nother level of, of officials at that camp that are just like, I'm like, I've watched this person on TV and now I'm going to go work with them. Like, that's pretty awesome. Mm. <laughs> it was just, so, it so, was really so when you're at camp, so you, when you're at camp, you're like ooh, a little star truck. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, you're right on. Like I, when I, I'm like, 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 wow, I've watched you work the final four and I watched you, you know, I watched you on TV, you know, I'm like, wow, you, you see, like, these are like some of the best of the best of the best. And, and then the ones that I, that are not the clinicians that are on the court and you're working games with them and they're, you're there's you've seen them on TV and you, mm-hmm. you're working with them and you, you're hearing them get the same kind of feedback you're getting. You're kind of like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. Like This is so yeah. cool. That's great. That's great. So you go to camp. You, how many years did you have to go to camp before you got hired? Well, I, I went, my first camp was at my first division one camp was in Florida at Orlando. And it was, I mean, the right circumstance, the right time, the right, uh, maybe storm on the court at the time. And I was very fortunate. And after my first year, I was, um, I was um, hired on to the Horizon League and the GLBC, mm. <clears throat> which so, I was told was like doesn't happen very often. And I and I I full well knew that going to camp. Like I'm like, oh, this is like a, this could be like a three maybe four year process. So that was in my head of what I was thinking things would look like. Well, this is one piece of advice that I would want. I want everyone to hear, including you. I don't listen to what other people tell me. Very rarely happens. That that doesn't work for me. 
Don't tell me what you're, don't try and predict the future for me or for anyone else. Don't tell me that I have to go through these steps because the officiating world is not like that. You know, actually, the, the, you know, the, if, if someone wants to tell you, hey, you have to be a fifth grade teacher for 20 years before you get a chance to be a principal, you know, you're, no one would try and be a principal. There's ways to do things. It may take some very hard work and you may have to be very skilled at, at a certain level, but there's ways to do that. And it is definitely possible. So to say that it's, oh, yeah, that typically doesn't happen. That doesn't that doesn't fly with me. As far as I'm concerned, it happens all the time and it should happen. And it happened to you. So I want to focus on that story that it did happen to you and baloney if it doesn't happen to anyone else. So I'm sorry about that. I'm preaching. <laughs> no, that that's that. totally right. cool. No, no, no problem. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So you get. You get the email where you, where you, I mean, were you like at school or were you at home or what was I? Well, that? I was actually, it was, I was <laughs> my, my, um, like I was literally just leaving to go to an airport to go on vacation with my, mm. and like we had just pulled out of the driveway and we were like literally heading down the highway and also like email came to my phone and I was like, and I, <laughs> I remember sitting being in the back and you like, and it was just like, holy expletive and i'm like i can't believe this is like this is awesome uh, <laughs> it's just kind of one of those like, crazy like moments and i was like holy cow oh my god i i and i started just like i and i was like totally in shock like wow this is let's do this that's awesome that is awesome so did you were you able to get a game your first year or how'd that work out for you so i worked my first my first year i, I man it's like thinking back, like my first year, I got like a, a scrimmage and an exhibition game. And I, I mean, like you and talk about being on cloud nine, like I had never been so nervous in my life. And I know one of the first ones I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like, I'm working with, um, I'm, I, I remember it so clearly. I remember working at that with, with Tim Daly. And I was like, I'm like, he's a big, he's, he's, he's been, I mean, like, Holy cow. Like, wow, this is crazy for me. Mm. But so I was like my first year and a couple of games in the GLVC and I was beyond like on cloud nine. That's awesome. Cause you're right. Tim Daly is, you know, he's a, a sweet 16 regional official. So he's definitely a, anyone doesn't know Tim Daly. Um, you probably should, if you're in the Midwest, I mean, he, he works a lot of games. So yeah, that's probably a great experience for you to be able to be able to be with a guy like Tim who, who was, you know, very intuitive to helping others, you know, again, a fellow educator, all those things. So I'm sure you were in great hands and you made it, I'm assuming. I did. Yeah. Not, not, not a problem. Like once it was that, like that nervousness from like, once you step on the floor and it's like between the lines, it's like, Hey, it's just, it's just, just go officiate, just do what you do. And that's kind of like the mentality I've always kind of had is like, just go officiate. Just go do it's- it. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I, I try to explain to people that, you know, like, whatever. So if you work a JUCO game and then you go to a Division three game, the lights are a little brighter at Division three, and then they're a little brighter at Division two, And then when you get to Division one, they're a little they're even brighter. You know what I mean? Everything is you could see there's clocks everywhere. And there's <laughs> people everywhere. You know, all those things are happening. So it is definitely a feeling that you, everyone tries to um, describe to people. But it's really something that you, you you wish everyone could feel. You know, I think it's it, it would be a great feeling for everyone to be able to have that chance. So if they wanted it, obviously. So yep. all, all right. So so I want to get to the story here, right? <laughs> so let's get to the story. So, you know, and I'm referring to some division. So you got to last year, 
you know, what don't, so walk me through the very beginning of the process of getting selected for division three playoff rounds and things like that and see how that walked through. And then, you know, really, you know, once we get to the end there, you know, let us know what happened <laughs> when you got selected for the final four and then kind of how it, you know, it deflated and some of those emotions you went through and, and how you got through it. Okay. So, I mean, the like the process was like coordinators. I mean, with the, the leagues that I worked at the division three level, I'm, I'm, they, they make their recommendations of people that they feel would represent the region, I think, um, and, and do an, a, a good job in, for the NCAA tournament. And my understanding, um, the, the coordinator, Mary, she, Mary Toberman, she goes through that and then she makes her selection. So, um, and as far as like, like final four stuff goes, like, I mean, I, the story, but like, I'm not sure how my name got thrown into the mix for that. I'm not sure like if that's a coordinator recommendations or how that part works, like that part that they don't, I've never really heard anything about, mm-hmm. but just being selected, like you get that not- notification that you're being considered, you're on the watch list, you provide some information, they do their due diligence and they make the determinations if you're going to work or not. And it's pretty awesome. I was, you know, very fortunate to be selected to work, just, eight, you know, be in the tournament. And then, um, I was, I found. So, out- so wait a second. So there's some, there's some emails that come out that's saying you're being considered for the actual, just the tournament, not necessarily the final four. Is that what yeah. Saying? Yeah. Just for the NCAA tournament, just in the tournament okay. in general. And for, you know, so like I said, I'm not sure if I'm not, I, it's based from what I understand is based on like what coordinators, like they see your, performance throughout the course of the year what you how you're handling things managing coaches all the stuff all the um, intangibles that deal with the officiating world (laughs) Um, and then um, those go to Mary and then Mary makes a determination um, on who's going to work the tournament and who's not and uh, so I actually found out about the final four prior to the tournament series um, or actually just when it started like when the first stuff came out it's kind of when I found out what was happening. So you had found out you were going to the final four um, before any first rounds were being even played at the division three level. Correct. I th- yeah. I got a notification like the week, like the week of the conference tournament stuff that you were being like put into that pool for the final four. Oh, and, then, okay. and then from there, the, the selection process, I'm like, again, I'm not sure like all the, all the, like the criteria, what they use or whatnot, but I found out for sure it was the final four, like literally like the week the tournament was starting. Like that was like when I like, like selection week when they're doing the selections and pairings and all that's when I found mm-hmm. out that they're like, you're going to, you're, um, you're going to be selected to, to go to the final four. You've been selected. So, so mm-hmm. I want to just to, so we heard the story about you, you know, getting selected to work division one. So now you get an email <laughs> saying, or some sort of notification saying, "Hey, you're being considered for the final four. What's is it the same? Is it different? Is it you know how'd that go for you?" I mean, that that was like probably the most like exciting feeling I've ever had. Mm. Um, in the officiating world, because like I was literally, like I was. This is terrible, but I was at work at my desk in a team meeting, and boom, there's this email and I'm like, and the, it's from the NCAA and I'm like, Oh, cool. Like I'm not, I wasn't thinking final four. I was thinking like just maybe getting a game in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, my, my vision was not like down the road. Like I wasn't 
I would, my thought was like, Oh, there's, there's games Friday, Saturday. So maybe I'm being selected for a Friday, a Friday or Saturday. I'm like, this is cool. This is awesome. So I open it and I, and it reads like, congratulations, the tournament committee, blah, blah, blah. So selected you to be in the, I was like, Holy cow. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, Holy. And I, 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 my, my team is like, what, 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 what? And I'm like, I'm like, come read this. And I'm like, I must be imagining this is happening. And like, no, nah, I like, holy, it was, it was like, it was the, it was the coolest feeling I think in the fishing I've ever had. And that is so awesome. And you were around people that you knew, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. right. My workers, my colleagues, the people that I, you know, like in the trenches at, at school every day with. Mm. Like, it's so awesome. That is so cool. I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm just like, almost like literally like shaking, like how excited I was. Like, that's but, awesome. What did you do next? Um, so I, I, I mean, you like leave the meeting. Hey, I'm out. I, I go. <laughs> so the, I, I do kind of excuse myself, and I like, I'm like, I need to make a phone call. So I call, I called mm-hmm. my wife because I have my wife, Kristen, is the most incredibly supportive person in the world when it comes to officiating. Because we're like, I mean, we all we're officials. We are on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and a lot of time at home. And so, like, my that was the first like. I, w- I wish I would have been with her when I got that. In- like, I know, like that would have been made it even better. But you know, like I'm like I gotta call. My- I have to call Chris and I have to call my wife. I have to. So I shared the news with her, and that was like we just. Learned- she was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, yeah. She's like, "Well, what are we gonna do?" And I'm like, "I I, I don't know. I don't know what happens now. I, I don't know what we're gonna do." Like it was just yeah. kind of. <clears throat> At this point, we are just going to get a cake and celebrate, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like that's exactly what I'm like, oh my God. Like, let's do this. Uh, let's let's reserve dinner for a steakhouse tonight. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. All right. So she, you know, I was first of all, I would like to say this. And you know, anybody who's listening out there, listen, if, if you've got someone <clears throat> that will support you in officiating, keep them. Him, her, whatever you keep them because um us as officials and you know mark you let me know if it's any different for you but us as officials we we really really love officiating and we love the people that support us in our officiating even more than officiating absolutely right that's yeah. so spot on I, I i don't think i don't i don't i mean I, I i don't think i could do this if i didn't have someone at home that like had my back on it mm-hmm. When you come yeah, home, that is have a good game, point. like, or just things aren't didn't go well, and you're just kind of like, oh, uh, they're like, they, you know, that they're there to pick you up and be like, it's okay, like, and that are willing to like come come to watch a game, like, don't mind on a Sunday, like breaking down a video or breaking down a film with you, because it's a fresh set of eyes that like you're, you know, we're we're good at like looking at plays and film ourselves, but you have someone who has no skin in the game and they're watching it, <laughs> it's so like, and they pick up like, well, why'd you do that? And I'm like. That's a good question. I'm not sure why I went that direction with my, where I stepped. I don't know why I did that. Then you're like, uh, excuse me, wife, can you just go read a book? I'm going to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So, all right. So you got the email, you got your support. You were able to call your wife, you know, now you, you, I'm assuming in the middle of the day or whatever it is. So time goes on. COVID hits. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Awesome. So, yeah. So what what happened? How'd that work out? You know, tell me kind of some of the emotions that you were going through. You know, what were some communications that you were hearing? And you know, you know, what what was going on? So like 
so I worked the first, the opening weekend in, in at, at DePaul in Indiana. And then I was slated to go to, to Hope in Michigan. And then we had heard like they were going to, everything was going to be as normal. This was the beginning of that second round weekend. And we're like, everything is normal. And then it changed really, really fast. Cause it went from everything is normal. We're selling, there's pre-sale tickets, blah, blah, blah. Make your hotel reservation to, well, we're going to play the games and schools are allotted so many tickets. And then it was, well, we're going to play the, the games with nobody in the arena except the teams and the officials. And then it was literally that um, it was Thursday. And I, I was li- literally leaving school to go and head home. And like, literally, I was just sitting on my computer and then we got the notification that they're like, it's po- the tournament is postponed. And I was just like, oh, like mm-hmm. you were talking about like, you're still kind of riding cloud hot, you know, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then often you're just like, Whoa, like this is not going to end well. And it was, you know, you read between the lines, you start seeing schools canceling and shutting down. You're kind of like, all right, I know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. But um, so it, it was definitely, a, it was a definitely a tough, like to be, when we found out, like when we found out that it was like the tournament wasn't just being postponed, it was just being canceled. That was just like mm-hmm. a done deal. And I was kind of like, <sighs> that's okay. And it really, it was like, it was, it was hard and it, it hurt, but it was at the same time, like, it's okay. And it, it is a game. And then, so I love officiating, but it's a game and I, and I do get it. And I think that's, I think that came from more of being like in the classroom with kids and, and teaching being like, we always talk about in the school, there's, there's more, there's bigger things in life. There's more important things. There's things that, that are bigger than this test that are bigger than this event, mm-hmm. the big picture. So like, I'm I said preaching that to kids like all the time. I'm like, well, it's not a big deal. Like there's other things in life that matter. I have to be able to like take that mentality. I can't just preach it and not believe it kind of thing. So great point. Great point. You can't say these words if you don't buy into them yourself, no matter what those words are. So that is that to me that you know that that really resonates with me. The fact that you say those kind of things and you go, okay. You know, now I have to, I have to take a little bit of my own medicine, right? Yep. You have to do that. And you were able to do that. That's really good to hear, Mark. Man, that's, yeah. that's really good. So, you know, what's, you know, whatever. You were over it in the day. Were you over it in a week? Did you still think there were some bounces back and forth? I mean, like, it was, there was the emotionals, like, up and down and being like, you know, like, oh, I'm working. Oh, man, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. And it's like, you know what? Like people are, people are sick. People are, are, you know, unfortunately are dying from a virus or I'm like, it's again, there's bigger things in life. And like, my wife was awesome about it. And like, <laughs> I mean, like I can know, I, I, like I have a memento of the tournament, like, because they, like they give us uniform. Like I have a uniform top. So I'm like, I have this like remembrance of the tournament that never happened, which huh, that doesn't, no, no one, like, that's a, that's a story. Like, this is a story that's, like, never, like, not, like you mentioned earlier, there's just not a lot of people that can have this kind of story. That's exactly right. That is for <sighs> sure. And as far as I'm concerned, as an outsider looking in, I think you should put it down on paper, you know, document that event, and, you know, send it to Referee Magazine or something like that. I think it's a great story that others need to hear about. So, because of how you handled it, you know, because, you know, you went through some roller coaster rides, you know what I mean? And the end of your season ended on, you know, at, at the top of the hill and you never got a chance to experience the excitement of going down, you know, in yeah. the loop for loops and things. So I think that's great. So, all right. Well, 
so here we go. I, you know, I always try to end my podcast with three questions. So I'm going to ask you three questions, but in between the second and third question, well, you know, well, before we get to the third question, I'm going to have everybody, I want to, you can give everybody your contact information. Okay. And how they want to get a hold of you. So question number one, are you ready? Okay. All right. You've been studying. <laughs> Me? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what is a book that you're reading or that you can maybe tell the listeners out there that this is a must read, you know, give, give a book suggestion that either you're reading now or you think that there's people out there that could benefit from a book that you have read in some way, shape or form. So actually I just finished reading a book. It's called, um, even on your worst day, you can be your student's best hope. It's by uh, Manny Scott. He was um, one of the students that was in the movie, like it was based on the movie Freedom Riders, um, kind of a inner city kind of urban experienced um, where a teacher came in and they just, you know, kind of did their, th- did their thing and they like how a teacher is able to connect with kids. And it's about communication about him, how to connect with people. Um, so now I wouldn't just say it's like an education book, like a teacher book. It's like how to like reach people that are different than you. Um, oh, and what's it called again, Mark? Um, you can be, you can be a student's best hope. You can Even be on a your worst student's day. best yep. hope. Even on your yeah. worst day, you can be a student's best hope. Perfect. All right. That's a great, I, I've never heard of that book. So I might uh, search that out right now. And I want to get done here and I'll check it out. So Super easy read, relatively short. Um, and like, I think it, it's practical. Mm. Yep. Like practical. Good. And we can put it into other things, you know, whether it be your nine to five job or because, you know, I believe we're all teachers. We may not necessarily sit behind a desk and teach the 10 kids that are in your class or the 20 kids that are in your class, but you're teaching, whether you're teaching someone, maybe your friends, whether you're, you're teaching your kids because they're learning from what you're doing. We're all teachers in some way, shape or form. So that'd be a great book. I'm going to check that one out. All right. Number two, do you have something that you do every day? And I call it a non-negotiable. You know, give me a non-negotiable that you make sure you do every day. When I say every day, I don't mean Monday through Friday, take Saturday, Sunday off. I'm talking about every day. Well, um, and on the physical active side, I walk my dog every day. We walk three and a half, maybe four miles. And the distance is a little negotiable depending on her and and the heat. Mm -hmm. But we walk every single morning. That's awesome. it, It doesn't matter if it rains we still get up and we walk if it's real like bad storms we'll look at the weather and see when we can get a window in to make Mm -hmm. it happen but we we i say we like my dog is part of this plan but we are (laughs) committed to walking every single day she's just like i don't have a choice you put the collar on and we go and and it's it's like kind of like clockwork that's That's how i start the day and you just get some fresh air and get going and kind of staying active that way that's the one that's one and then my other one is i hug my hug and get a kiss from my wife every day awesome. and tell her that i love her like those those are non-negotiable things that i do every single day very very good <clears throat> i want to I tell you a story that i heard today about walking in this it was watch i was watching you know some youtube video <clears throat> or something about and they were saying saying tips about walking and things like that and they said that you know when you walk if you want the best results you need to walk outside Mm-hmm. And the and this this person who was doing the YouTube said, 
Well, I understand if some people live in bad areas where the weather isn't bad and then you want to do it on a treadmill, that's okay. But if you could find, you know, time to get out, you know, if you could find a way to walk outside, that would be great. But if you got to do it on a treadmill because the weather's bad, I understand. And right away, I hit pause and like yelled at the iPad and said, I don't understand. If it's cold, I put a coat on. If yep. it's rain, I put a rain jacket on. You know what I mean? There's, there's, you know, there's nothing unless anything short of a hurricane or a tornado. Why can't you still walk outside? You're just choosing yep. not to. And I yep. think that's great that you say that's no non-negotiable. Hey, the what you know, whatever we go, the dog don't have a choice. We're putting a collar on and we're going for it. So I think that mm-hmm. is great, great stuff. So, all right. Before we go to question number three, uh, give some people the ways to contact you if they have any questions or if something in this in this uh, podcast has has resonated with them and you know they want to talk to you or they want to hit the share button and you know how can they get a hold of you? So I think that in the easiest and best way would be through email and that's mr wolfel so w o e l f e l at gmail so mr wolfel at gmail which works out really nice for my initials so it's mr wolfel at gmail which totally randomly works out as a teacher to be mr wolfel but it totally works out with my initials too so that's awesome mr wolfel at gmail mr wolfel and then of course you can contact me at jeff cross 22 at gmail.com if you have any questions or you're trying to get a hold of mark and you missed that email you can also follow me on my youtube channel jeff cross 22 and you can also uh, follow me on my facebook page tng for tenacity and grit that's where i put all my content last question mark Uh oh what do you want your legacy to be wow um Overall, I want my I, I want my legacy to be that an educator that cares about kids, and that has always been there for kids. That when the students I have today, when their kids come through my classroom in 15, 20 years, they're like Mr. Wolfel. He care he will care about you no matter what. He will have your back. He will go to bat for you, and that he's going to support you no matter what you do. He may correct you along. He may help correct your decision-making along the way. And you may think he doesn't care, but deep down, you know that he really cares about you and he made an impact on their life, on my, on students' lives. That's a great legacy, man. Great legacy. I've never had you as a teacher, Mark, and I don't know anyone who has, but my guess is you are an outstanding teacher. My guess is kids gravitate towards you and you make sure that you are um, a- available for these kids in any way, shape, or form. And I believe there's no doubt in my mind you will have a major, major impact on the kids that you're helping. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. All right, brother. Well, that is the end of our time here. Um, I can't thank you enough, Mark, for spending you know a few minutes of your day um, on your summer break. And um, I wish you the best of luck. And I hope your day is nothing short of amazing, Mark. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it as well. So thanks a lot. My pleasure, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye.